Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Wake up, it's New Year's, and welcome to the PHLY Eagles podcast. Bo Wolf, Zach Berman in Studio B, nice and comfortable setting here as we prepare to talk about everything going on with the Eagles. We are going to dive headfirst into the Nick Sirianni question. Maybe we'll get to a little bit of A.J. Brown discussion later. Zach, how are you? Doing well. Excited for the show. Excited for the show too. I gotta, I gotta start. I gotta apologize. I was, I was thinking about the Wait, New Year's thing. I've been working with you for five years. This is the first time I've heard you say. I, I gotta apologize. Um, but I, I kind of like. I think there's a sweetness to the waking up the kids. Thank you. To wish them happy. Yes. To, to wish them happy New Year. I think that's a nice to make it a little special thing. Yes. I'm still a little bit confounded about like how you were allowed to wake up your wife in the middle of the night and say happy new year's yeah so was she <laughs> so, so, so she she watched that back and she said she's on both side on that um but look i i, I want to create memories right and that's that's essentially there's only new year's eve to new year's day 2003 2004 once in, oh, i'm sorry 2023 to 2024 once in your life so i want to mark that occasion appropriately I mean, there's only like January 3rd, 2024, once in your life, too. You know what I mean, though. Yeah, like, uh, yeah, I can tell you where I was for Don't all you think my- that, that that memory for Emily will be like, why are you doing this? Let me sleep. <laughs> sure, sure. But like, I, I will quiz her sometimes. Uh, do you know where we were on New Year's Eve 2017? Do you know where we were in New Year's Eve 2019? And she doesn't. Uh, keep track of that the way I. It's I funny do. because I, I feel like for most things you are not sentimental. You are. That's not a matter so, of being sentimental. But that's so a matter of being New Year's specifically is a weird one for you to to sort of glom onto. I feel like it's it's not a matter of of sentimentality. It's it's uh, I I like. I, I like optimistic holidays, right? <laughs> okay. Or optimistic occasions. Okay. And this is like, I think by definition, almost New Year's is a sense of renewal, right? So there's, there's excitement, there's optimism. It's interesting. I've never met like a New Year's person, like a, <laughs> yeah, like yeah. there are, there are Christmas people and Thanksgiving yeah, people yeah. and July 4th people. I don't know that I, you're the first New Year's. Uh, oh yeah. Thanksgiving, New Year's, fetishist July 4th. That I've, I've Those are some of the, I wouldn't say fetish, but <laughs> But no, I'm I'm much more, for instance, like New Year's Eve than Valentine's Day. You know, I mean, tough beat for Emily. Like <laughs> she's just fine. Yes. <laughs> so, what are the other optimistic holidays? Birthdays, uh, Thanksgiving. Okay. Right. It's it's a it's a it's a, day, it's a day mm, time of, of reflection. Yeah. Sure. I think uh, July Fourth is an optimistic holiday. Yeah. Uh, it, it's my anniversary, so it is for there me. There you go. But, yeah. Exactly. So now Claire, who watches us every day, says New Year's Eve is a, is totally overrated. Claire, I understand where you're coming from, but I disagree. It's a sense of renewal. There's college football on. Back, you know, <laughs> I mean, this year there was football on, but there used to be the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl, which was always an underrated bowl game, on, and it was played on New Year's Eve. So You'd be going to those those New Year's Eve parties, and I would want to know what's going on with, 
like the third place team in the ACC and the third place team in the SEC. And so when you when you are having these pop quizzes with Emily in the middle of the dinner table on uh, you know on an April and you say where where were we on New Year's Eve 2016 the second question is who won the Peach Bowl <laughs> that's 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 not the second question but she could probably ask she could probably ask ask me that on on some of them but I I can tell you where I was for most of these New Year's Eves yeah. okay 2015. 2015 New Year's Eve Emily and I uh, went out to dinner. Uh, and yeah, we went out to dinner on New Year's Eve in Philadelphia. In Philadelphia, yes. Okay, and she would remember that. Yeah, she. Unlike would. Julia, <laughs> who does not remember going to dinner with you in Hoboken. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know this was going to be the start of this show, but uh, anyways, much to discuss today. Okay, let's yes. let's let's get into it. I think this is the um, like the national football. Zeitgeist conversation now is 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 Nick Sirianni safe? Is is something crazy going to happen here? We talked about it sort of a, a month ago. I don't know if you wanted to do your 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 whole thing yeah, here, but go ahead, please. Uh, so a month ago, coming back from Dallas, and we'll be transparent with the audience. We've been doing this now for for five months. Let's uh, you know we're all part of this great community here. Uh, I get back from from Dallas. I I come here and straight from the airport. Haven't seen your family yet. Yeah. Yeah. Correct. I'm down ragged. I I was uh, I was listening to a bit of the podcast. Okay. You had like an hour and forty minutes of sleep. Yes. And and we did not um, like discuss what the show was going to be. I, most days we we kind of have an idea of all right. This is what we're going to get into. We'll, we'll trade topics. I'll text you in the morning. You'll text me the night before. Things like that uh, of different things. This, the game was raw. Emotions were high from the Eagles, right? And so you're just going to talk about this game. So I, Back-to-back I, back blowout losses. So I come straight here, and uh, Julia, our, our outstanding, um, she's more than a producer, but she, she produces this show here. Dinner companion. <laughs> High school, <laughs> middle school, good friend, yeah. Um, so... Uh, she puts the link for us to share. And the headline in the link said, hot seat question mark. And I did not like that, uh, that, that, that headline. And I said something at the time, and, and, and you were kind of like, you know, it's, it's one show. We have a question mark there, right? We don't have to get into the whole conversation. But I remember when I got home. It was that, also like 20 minutes before the show. Yes, I don't, exactly. It's not like we can go, yes. go change the headline yes. right away. You know? And I remember when I got home that night, I was thinking about it and I was like, you know what? I really don't, I really don't think this is a, I, I, I didn't think that was a responsible conversation. I thought the Eagles were 11 and three. They were in the Super Bowl last year to talk about hot seat. I thought it was a little hot takey at the time. Okay. And so we had a good conversation about it, but the great thing about Bo, uh, well, there's, there's many great things about Bo, but as a reporter, Bo is very adept at seeing things around the curve and being, so we were, I'm not now, we're going to get into the merits of that, of that topic. But, uh, as I was driving in this morning, as I was literally listening to Nick Sirianni on the radio yesterday, this is a topic of conversation. Uh, Adam Schefter today on, I, I, uh, he addressed like, like he said, Nick Sirianni safe. Like there are, this is a topic of, of conversation. Our comments on the YouTube pages is about Sirianni. We're getting messages about it. So you were right. And the way you framed it, I, I want to be fair. The way you framed it's not, is he on the hot seat now? It's, is if this collapses. If this collapses, their first right, round. And we said if they go two and two over the final four and lose in the first round. That was basically the, the deck. Yes. And already they are one and two. And, yes. you know, facing that that possibility. And so, yeah, we the the conversation was more if things get terrible yeah. and things have gotten pretty bad. And the uh, irony is not the right word, but the uh, the funny twist to that conversation and the timing of it is you go back. That was the Monday or Tuesday after the Cowboys game. That is the day that Nick Sirianni would have let Sean Desai know that he is not the defensive coordinator anymore and he is giving the, the responsibilities to Matt Patricia. So it was like a time of upheaval mm -hmm. already in the building. So here we are a month later 
as we talked about, this is a, a big picture conversation. So let's let's dive into this. Um, and there is a big difference, I think, in this conversation between should he be on the hot seat and will he be on the hot seat? It's like the Doug Peterson framework by Jeffrey Lurie. He didn't deserve to be fired. Right. That's yeah. And I think we can agree that three years of Nick Sirianni, the Eagles have Exceeded expectations he has done on the whole a very good yep. job. 2021, fantastic. Uh, like the the flower analogy and and taking them from what seemed like a terrible start, what was a terrible start, and as a coach, being um, humble enough to like take away the responsibilities of calling the game, change the offensive style, led them to the playoffs. Great job. Last year. You got the uh, the offseason improvements, and boy, did he like maximize everything about that team to an impossible degree, right? Like, uh, we can talk about how like all of these narratives get shaped by these small margins, as you like to say. Every week is a season. Every season is even a bit of a small, fluky sample size, right? Like, if the if the referees are a little bit less litigious. You know, the Bengals are Super Bowl champions and the Rams went all in and failed. You know, if they don't throw a flag on James Bradbury and Jalen Hurts leads the Eagles down for a game-winning touchdown, here we are a year later, they're Super Bowl champions. If they again. kick an onside kick. If they <laughs> kick an onside kick, there you go. If they, they pull the gannon. So, but those narratives are also real things in the building, right? Sure. And so... The way that things have gone over this season, they were 10 and one. Now all of a sudden things are not going so well. We know that there was a people in the coaching staff, whether that was Nick's decision alone or influenced by people above him or made in part because he was worried about the reaction from people above him to the way things were going. Not suggestive of longevity, as I have said. We know that there is stuff going on in the locker room. AJ Brown is going to talk today, and and you know, there are reports that he is unhappy with things in the offense. There was the Derek Gunn report from that same day we we first had this conversation. Like the, these things are real, and so if if things go as they could go, and they lose in the first round of the playoffs on the road to some bad NFC South team, my expectation is that will lead to the kinds of difficult conversations between Jeffrey Lurie and Howie Roseman and Nick Sirianni that they had with Doug Peterson in 2020. Remember, as, as, as you have said, Doug Peterson was not fired right away. They said he's coming back, and then sure. a, a week later, they decide that he is being fired. They need, there, there are going to be conversations about how do we fix this? Mm -hmm. What is the plan forward? And if... Nick Sirianni, who we know is a, 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 a person who thinks that he deserves credit for things and has bristled at um, uh, tough criticism in the past, right, and did earlier this month. If those conversations don't go well and they don't see eye to eye on what the path forward is, then I don't think that it is crazy to think that this, this could lead to a parting of the ways. Crazy, no, considering that this is... This is a real topic. And I also want to say, if that happens, it is a it is a terrible reflection of the organization, I think. Yeah, that's so this, so that's what I was about to say is that Nick Sirianni should not be fired. He should not be on the hot seat. He's taken a team that was four and twelve the year before he got here to the postseason three straight years, the Super Bowl the second the second year, double digit wins, back to back seasons. This has gone bad. I mean, I can tell you what Mike Tomlin's year of the Super the year after the Super Bowl was. I can tell you about John Harbaugh not making the playoffs in four or five years, right? I, I think there's there has to be a degree of consistency in action too. I the the Doug Peterson dismissal made sense to me given the uh in hindsight, frankly, given the inflection point that the organization was in. And I thought the way Jeffrey Lurie explained it at that time made a lot of sense that f after the season that they had for Doug to, to, to kind of keep his job, he would need to maximize that 2021 season and the Eagles needed to kind of take a, a little bit of a reset. And so they were, there was incongruencies in terms of the, uh, in terms of those, those, those timelines, this, that's not the case with the Eagles right now. 
their trajectory and Nick Sirianni's tra- tra- Nick Sirianni's tra- 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 I'm sorry trajectory I struggle to get that out are in conjunction with with one another or should be or should be so to me it would be ridiculous it would be a poor reflection of the organization it it, it would be a poor decision the only way and frankly I don't know if you're going to hire a coach who positions you to be better the only way that I think you can make you can consider such a move is if your confidence in his ability to lead the team has eroded to the point that you no longer think he should be the head coach but that 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 takes a uh, a high degree of confidence in your ability to assess that to, to make that that determination because often you know there there are there are troubles in friendships or troubles in marriages there, and oftentimes you can patch them up right like there are there's a difference between things being irreconcilable and things being able to be fixed and whatever's going on in this Eagles locker room and, and with this team right now, my guess is it can be fixed with coordinator change, with tinkering and personnel. The other thing I, I, I will add, and I, I don't mean to make this a monologue here, is you just paid your quarterback to be your franchise guy. That factors into it too. If, they, if his confidence in Nick Sirianni has eroded, then that would create action. I have no indication that's occurred to this point. Yeah, I agree. And when we had this conversation initially, the the point I made was that of the three most important people in the organization, mm-hmm. Howie Roseman, Jalen Hurts, and Nick Sirianni, yes. Sirianni is the one with the the least stability, right? Like those other two guys aren't going anywhere. You talk about high confidence in their ability to assess these things. I think one thing we know about Howie Roseman is that he has high confidence in his ability. Um, I think that like if you were to give him truth serum about uh, what who was most responsible for last season's success, <laughs> I think he would say himself. Um, mm-hmm. And I think... And he might not be wrong. No, of course. Yeah. Now, this is, a, uh, this is part of a larger Howie conversation. I think a lot of the things that make Howie a great general manager relative to the rest of the league, like the league is designed to bring everybody to the middle, right? Yes. So there, are, there, are, there is no skeleton key. This is the right way to do it. Everything you do has some kind of negative downside and like the the maximizing at all costs to try to win right now sometimes comes back to bite him yes. as it has done in the roster they have built this year separately my understanding is part of the reason the eagles thought that they downslid after 2017 is that they were they, they got a little bit too complacent right and so my understanding is this offseason was very much like we need to be as as like aggressive and tightened up and uh, like cons- uh, uh, like uh, battening down the hatches as much as possible, and we are we will we like we will accept no backslide. And hmm. if that is the case, I would disagree. That's the reason. But sure, sure go on. I, I, I don't would, think complacency is why they. Slipped. I would absolutely disagree yes. that that yeah. is the reason. But but I under my yes. understanding is that it's, is that is yeah. part of what they. I thought. think that's very much the way Howie operates too. Yeah. Right. So that if that is the case, then like there there is no um, allowance for yeah. This is really hard. It is really hard to go to the Super Bowl and lose and have a good season then next year. It's a, there's a reason that that doesn't happen very often. For all of the like physical ramifications, like the the playing late into the season, the shorter off season, for all of the emotional sure ram, like ramifications of okay, these guys sacrificed so much and they still didn't make it to the mountaintop. Are they going to be willing to sacrifice as much moving forward? Are they going to be affected by the expectations? All of those things are very real, and we and like history has borne that out. All of those things are very difficult. So if the Eagles go, you know, twelve and five and lose mm-hmm. in the first round, that's better than most Super Bowl losing teams do. But it, that's not going to be like uh, good enough for sure. for Howie Roseman and Jeffrey Lurie. The real thing that we don't know without being in the building that we we cannot know is like how much of the personality conflicts are at play here whether that is between the front office and the coaching staff whether it's between the coaching staff and the players if those things are very significant then that is what would lead to change i think and to your point like the players 
matter more than the coach probably. And this is not like, you know, coaches are not uh, linebackers or, or, or safeties sure. to Howie Roseman, but they're also not wide receivers and quarterbacks and offensive linemen, right? Like they are replaceable to some degree. And so like, you're not changing the roster wholesale. If a change needs to be made, I think it is more likely to come. And I think it is much more likely that it's going to be changes to the coaching staff, not Nick Sirianni. But if there is a real yeah. budding of the heads and Nick Sirianni deserves to be proud and um, confident in his ability to fix things. But also like if, if he is thinking I can fix this and they don't agree about what it is, he can, he, he might think he can go do it somewhere else and he doesn't have to deal with this nonsense. It's a, it, it is not just a one way street. And that's been a sentiment in the past, frankly. Um, you bring up a, a valid point. I think, I don't think that the organization, the way it is run is built for the stability you're talking about. I think there is Why? a a um, there is an acceptance of drama is not the right word, but like to some degree, I think there is like uh, competition produces results to some degree. Well, I would agree with that. Right, but yeah. like th th this is an organization that is much more like it's sort of like Sirianni's personality, where it's like up and down, up and down. It's not like. The Steelers going nine and eight every season. And as a fan, you, you, that's probably better to sure. have the highs and the lows. But I don't think that this is a, a, an organization, an organization that is built or wants to be 10 and seven every season. No, not at all. But that will be my counter is that they're not 10 and seven every season, right? Like they, Nick Sirianni went, went 13 and four last year. He's presumably going to go 12 and sure, five that's better. At, at least. Yeah, so, of course. Uh, I mean, there are now I know I run into trouble on this show when I say there are X amount of organizations who would kill for that position um, because the, and, and rightfully so those watching at home don't care about the X amount of organizations. They care about the Eagles. Right. And that's 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 part of this. But I, I keep going back to this. You need to make an assessment. Are you changing because you're mad or are you changing because it's productive? Right. And if you're changing because you're mad, then shame on you because that's that's not the way you operate. I never think, oh, the team struggled down the stretch, so we need to find someone to blame. Someone to blame is not how you how you produce results. Something to fix is how you produce results. So you, you do need to have confidence in Nick Sirianni's ability to fix this, to fix what has happened during the past month. In particular, I would say the past three weeks, right? Because... Like I said, they they lost the two real good teams. Um, when we had that conversation, they were ten and three. I thought it was premature then. The way they've played these past three weeks is alarming, given what occurred before then. And so you need to have an idea, in particular, I think on on your coaching staff and uh, defensive coordinator and scheme, and how is part of this too? Defensive personnel, the decisions that. That, that, that you make there. What's your path forward fixing what is wrong? And if you have disagreements on that path, then this is a conversation. But to me, the worst, one of the worst things you can do if you're in Jeffrey Lurie and Howie Roseman's position here is to say, we're mad, this is unacceptable, and so therefore there, there needs to be a change because is the person coming in going to be better? Is that person better able to suit it? Are, are you just looking for a scapegoat there? Frankly, to me, that's why there's a new defensive play caller here because things were bad and you were looking for, for something different. But don't you think that's indicative of their thinking? That like if, if it is the case that there is a lot of finger pointing going on and they needed a scapegoat, they've already done it. They've already tried it once and it totally backfired. At defense, yeah. And that's what I'm saying. That to me would, would be would be ridiculous, would be a poor way to run an organization, would be a poor path forward. I thought the, the way Jeffrey Lurie explained the Doug Peterson dismissal made sense from, a, from an organizational perspective, not from like a human human perspective, right? Um, but it's what I was talking about. That, that was a decision not made looking for a scapegoat. That was a decision based on a plan. And they had a plan going forward, and there were – there were differences of opinion. They wanted to, to rebuild. Exactly. And exactly. Doug was not the coach for a rebuild. Yes. And so... Uh, As I, they explained it, which is... Yeah. So the best way I, I, I could say this is if this is a conversation that's being had or that could be had in the building, 
because they're mad that they're losing right now and they're looking for someone to blame and it's easier to blame the coach than it is the GM and the, and the quarterback, then to me, shame on you. But if, the, if, if it gets to a point after the season where they say we need X, Y, and Z to, to fix this and Nick Sirianni says, no, we need ABC to fix this and there's incongruency there, then okay, uh, maybe I, I can understand it. But I think Nick Sirianni's a really good coach I think he's proven that. Um, I disagree with those who say that he doesn't call plays and his his assistant coaches aren't aren't working well and his game management has been questionable. So therefore, what is he doing here? Because to me, a lot of being a head coach too is being a, a leader, is being a CEO of an organization, right? And and you oversee a group of you know thirty staff members and 70 players and 69 players in particular um and uh <laughs> uh i didn't say anything I, I was just being precise um and that that is like the there's so much on your plate as a head coach it's much more than who you're hiring as the coordinator how you're managing the game but that is a part of it and i think the game management stuff he he's he's done it well in the past and, and you can work on that so well, I think that is part of it. Uh, to your point, though, like as you have said in making the case before that he doesn't get enough credit because he is not a play caller. You know, his job is to be the head coach of the football team. If that's the case and, you know, the vibes are bad and the coaching of the coaches is not going very well, then that isn't a good reflection on him. Yeah. And the game management stuff, it, it is it is like very far from the top of the list of his most important responsibilities. But it has been bad. Yeah. And if you think about the things that we know Howie and Jeffrey care about, you know, having a having um, an efficient, creative like offense on the vanguard of innovation. Sure. That is not this offense. They are they are very good, mm-hmm. but it, it seems to be a player driven success, right? A lot of it is like individual routes on the outside with with Devontae Smith and uh AJ Brown, like, you know, the, the fact that they are like dead last in the league in motion, this stuff, like, I don't think that they would like that. Um, that he has not been aggressive in in-game situations, uh, like following what the analytics would say is not great. And I, I think that they would probably push back on that in the offseason, like you need to do a better job there. Well, I agree with that. Um, so some of those things, they are already at odds with each other. Um, like the... The defensive line rotation, I still, I, I'm still trying to make sense of that because the only difference there was Desai. If it was the case that that was Desai, then like maybe that was the reason for the scapegoating. But but boy, has that totally backfired, and it's sort of in line with some of the other push our chips and now type things. But I just, uh, I think it leads to difficult conversations, and I I don't know what the results of those of those conversations will be. And they have to have those. I mean, that's the, sure. that's the job, right? Yeah, that is the job. And so I paused here because I, I, I believe fundamentally you need to make hard decisions in football and work and life. But you shouldn't make emotional decisions. You should, you should make decisions that are based on reason and not based on emotion. But if they also have, like you said, they shouldn't make these emotional decisions, that is true. But if they have come to the conclusion sure. that he is not the guy for them— then it's also not great to give him another year because you sure. think he earned it. Yeah, there's a great quote from, I believe, well, Jeremy Foley, the former athletic director at Florida, said it, but it, it, it came from, I believe, a general before that, and that's, uh, you know, whatever must be done eventually should be done immediately. And the point being that if if there's something that you're you're going to do, you might as well just do it. But... I would disagree with the premise of it. It's hard here. to do, like when you're trying to when you respond to a text message, like, oh god, if I don't do it right this second, it's it might be weeks before I respond to this. What's that in reference to? Nothing, just my daily life. Oh, really? Uh, is that a joke about me, or is that no? no okay, okay, no, it's <laughs> a joke about me. Like, if you don't get me responding to this text right away, well, I might forget about well, it. Well, the completely. trouble I I run into is, um, I've said this on our previous podcast, but or emails, God forbid, responding to an email. Oh, God. But when something comes while I'm driving, and I have shield in my head saying, "Don't don't be on your phone when you're driving," and so uh, shield gave me this this advice, like when you 
park, spend 10 minutes just responding mm. to texts and, and emails that come. But I haven't necessarily been doing that. So sometimes you get a backlog of texts when you're driving, and that's what big flex. I might forget. Is, is that a big flex? I, I feel as if that's a common thing now. How many oh, texts? You're getting deluged by texts. You're so popular. How many? Don't you get a lot of texts? I don't know, but I don't feel like it's a it's a brag worthy amount of texts. I wasn't bragging about it. I was simply having the conversation. <laughs> let's let's talk about our, uh, our our wonderful sponsors. What did you have for breakfast this morning? Uh, this morning I uh, made a little uh, uh, breakfast taco for Casey and Rachel, and had a, a couple bites of my own. You know what? Typically, what? typically I'm like a I'm just eating the scraps of of the breakfast I've made for everybody else. Gotcha. I I, I did not eat breakfast this this morning. Okay. Um, I probably should have. Uh, but as I'm thinking about it now, you know what would have been a perfect breakfast for me? Uh, yes, I do. Cocaine. Huge, oh, sorry. <laughs> huge bagels. The <laughs> biggest bagels in Philly. I'm talking about bagels and co. These are very large, hence the Brooklyn, New Jersey style bagels. They're in, and if I, I can be overwhelmed by choices sometimes, I look at a menu and I'm like, do I want A, B, or C? Bagels and co., I'm overwhelmed by the choices. 15 to 20 different types to choose from daily. They have seasonal bagels as well. They have Christmas. They had Christmas flavor bagels during Christmas season. Uh, they also have a large cream cheese variety, 30 different flavors. So you can mix and match. This is like Oregon's uniforms. Okay. We have, uh, they, they have staples during, uh, the seasons they have uh, your they have cream cheese for your favorite sports teams. I imagine those watching the Eagles would love their Eagles cream cheese. You can check out their Instagram to see the visuals, and they're an affordable brand, right? So you're getting quality food at a good price, which in today's inflationary world is key. We they've debated raising their prices, but they want an everyday brand that's not just some place that you splurge on the weekends to go uh, and. F- I was looking at their website recently, the the bagelsandco.com slash store locator. These things are popping up everywhere. It's great to see. So if you want to know that for the best Brooklyn-style bagels made right here in Philly, head to www.thebagelsandco.com slash store locator to find the closest Bagels & Co. near you. And if you want to join Zach in making the drive up 95 on Sunday to watch this beleaguered Eagles team try to scrape together a victory to close the regular season. You could do it by buying your tickets on game time because buying tickets to your favorite events shouldn't be stressful. Game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you with killer deals on last minute tickets and their best price guarantee. You can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun you'll have. They've got you know what they've got? They've got flash deals and last-minute tickets. Easy to find and buy tickets for every kind of event in your area. Images of seat views, lowest price guarantee, event cancellation protection, job loss protection, and more. I was scrolling through game time this morning looking for some, like, weekend day games for the Flyers or Sixers mm. that, that might be Martin kind of Luther King Day. Martin Luther King Day. I yes. saw that. Might be, uh, might be trying to purchase one myself. We'll see with the kids. It's the fastest growing ticketing app in the country for a reason. Get images of your seat before you buy so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. Buy tickets in a matter of seconds. Just two taps. Two taps and you're set. Tickets are sent directly to your phone so you never have to dig through your email. Tickets make great holiday gifts. Great New Year's gifts for all the New Year's heads out there. Snag the tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code PHLY for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and use code PHLY for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. I, I do have a question for you regarding the coach changing discussion. You've been around here for the turn of Andy Reid. You weren't, Eagles, here for, you weren't here for the turn of Chip Kelly, but, but, but you were in tune with the organization and certainly the change in Doug Peterson. How do you think they handled those? Like, like do you think at the um, – did you agree with the decisions when they made it for those three? Uh, yes. Okay. Oh, well, yeah, the Doug is the only one that makes me hesitate. Okay. Um, Andy was, was clear. And I think you could make the case that Andy was a lesson to Jeffrey in maybe he waited a year too long. Um, 
I don't know if that was Andy's lesson, if Jeffrey's lesson from Andy. What do you think his lesson was? Well, he should I, have waited longer? Yeah, I, I actually think that... <laughs> I, I think Jeffrey would have loved if you're if smiling I, because you might be giving something away from a, um, a book that could be coming out one day. <laughs> I think that Jeffrey has has like a, a world of respect for Andy Reid and oh, oh no doubt like, about that no and like probably wishes that that was something that that could have been. Uh, I'll put it this way: there were a lot of other circumstances at play that year that sure. I think contributed to to that. Yeah, but I. I yeah. But I also I, I do don't think time think, ran scores. I, yeah, I think time ran. I don't yeah. think that Andy would have had the success in he, Philadelphia. I mean, you know, Patrick Mahomes aside, like I think Andy needed a fresh start he too. He needed a reset. Okay. Yeah. I could, I could be wrong about that, but I, I yeah. sort of think that's the case. Now I do think though that, you know, Jeffrey Lurie in his mind would like to be the kind of franchise that has a head coach for 15 years, right? He, he yeah, wants, like <laughs> he wants that stability, yeah. right? But since Andy, he, you know, this is this is coach number three uh, in the in like the same amount of time that they had Andy the first time. It could be number four at some point. We're, we're Does it strike there. you that this is a ridiculous conversation or no? Like that, like I could be wrong. It like, strikes like, why me that I... the idea is okay, ridiculous. Okay. Yeah, that's what. Yeah, yeah. I, I do think it's ridiculous to, to to think that the head coach who led them to the Super Bowl yeah. last year could be fired. I think that's crazy. I agree. I didn't mean but to cut I don't you think, off. Please go with the No, other, but I don't think it's ridiculous in the context yeah. of what is happening with the team right now and what we know about the yeah. organization. Yeah. And that, so that's what – so I didn't mean to cut you off. You were talking about Chip yeah. and, and Doug. Oh, and so, I mean, I think that – I think the timing on Chip was precisely correct. Mm -hmm. um, and then I think the timing on Doug was – you you could have done something else there, but – yeah, it certainly it turned out to be correct. So the, the the reason I'm saying this this still strikes me as such a ridiculous conversation, and it's it's more I'm I'm not even discussing us having the conversation how this has become part of the conversation around the Eagles because because this isn't I I think we were in front of it on that show but I think that what we're doing now is is just having our ear to what is being discussed among fans right. And that's 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 the part of it that I'm fascinated. This is this has reached that point when I read our comments and I do read our comments on our shows to the detriment of your physical personal says, health. And it says like fire Sirianni. I keep uh, I, I see it once or twice and I'm like, you know what? That's just a fan that's angry that they lost. OK, but then when it's the day after and it's the day after that, right, two days removed from the game and you don't have that emotion. Uh, or at least I assume people still don't have that emotion. And that's the response to it. It strikes me. Am, am, am I too anchored by resume? Am I too anchored well, by... Well, in general, yes. But I don't know if that's the case in this situation. Am I too anchored by the notion that here's a coach who has been to the playoffs all three years, went to the Super Bowl year two, double-digit wins in year three. Like, what am I missing? And I'm not blind or oblivious to the organizational dynamics that can occur after a season when you do when you do have this type of collapse and I saw a story from from Ruben Frank yesterday where it was basically saying like this is un unprecedented to be 10 and to to be a 10 a 10 and 1 team and to be in the situation that that they're in now where you lose four or five games right that this is like without precedent in the, in the, in the NFL just uh, like they were without precedent at 10 and 1 with such a low point sure. differential yeah uh, which is another conversation, by the way, that uh, two things off, off, off that. Number one, um, as Rich Hoffman wrote in his newsletter yesterday, it just, it shows what you, what you said all along that the teams don't know how to win. That's, that's like a myth when you keep winning close games. It's, it's not like you're, you know how to win just like you, just like last year, you don't know how to force turnovers better. Mm. Um, eventually if you keep winning close games, you're going to lose. You're going to lose close games, or you're going to lose those games, right? That's why point differential matters. And the second part, Rich Hoffman's newsletter is awesome. Um, I was reading it this morning. Hard agree. Uh, and he does like there's not. And I'm not just saying this because I work here. I'm not just saying this because John Gonzalez wrote it. Um, there's not a better newsletter in the city uh, that you can find that that gives you an update on what's going on on these teams. And so make sure it's free. Well, what does John Gonzalez have to do with this? John Gonzalez tweeted that out, remember? Oh. 
he wrote that Riches is the best. Yeah. Oh, exactly. I, don't, yeah. I don't remember that. I don't think oh, I saw that. Oh, he wrote that. Highly Recommend Riches. Oh, Rich I didn't Hopkins see that. Yeah. So, uh, and, and Shout Ga- out to Gonzo. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And Gonzo's awesome. Um, so, uh, I, I, I think missed he, the tweet. I'm sorry. I think he wrote that. If, 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 if he didn't, I still give a shout out to Gonzo okay. for, uh, uh, for being Gonzo, but whose basketball team is doing better right now? Uh, my team. Mm. Yeah. Are we talking like top of the league? Your team right uh, now? Fifth place right now. Oof. Uh, and, um, so he's buried and I'm getting some like aggressive trade offers from, uh, some really good podcast hosts uh from from competing or from 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 other shows and i'm trying to um lay low right now glass no (laughs) trying to lay low right now because uh i don't want to give up future assets right now and i think the price is too high okay but imagine there's gonna be a striking point at some point where Mm. we can find a mutually you, you hope you get to a point in the season where the playoffs are close enough that it can benefit me, but also they're not going to get a, a, a better deal somewhere else for an expiring con mm. for a player they're not going to keep, right? So <laughs> I just I just went into too many details. That's there. okay. Um, well, but, I love the machinations of the trade yeah. discussions between you and Mark Marin. <laughs> uh, no, the the really loyal Sixers listeners will know who I'm speaking about. I'll put it that way. That's a little Easter egg for the Sixers listeners. Okay. I do think that the like the the assessing Nick Sirianni's performance this season divorced from whether or not he should retain the job, which yeah. I think we agree that without knowing what's actually going on behind the scenes, he he probably should. Without a doubt. The framing that he uses, which I think is the appropriate framing, is and it's the framing that the players care about the most. And it's probably why AJ Brown is upset, is are you making the players better? Like, can you get yes. me better? Yes. And right now it is hard to look at the roster and believe that they are being maximized. The defense is obviously underperforming relative to its talent level. Do you I think mean, so? I don't think it was a, a, a perfectly constructed defense. That's a different conversation. But are they underperforming? Yeah. I mean, they're like 28th in DVOA. They've got this like super highly paid uh, defensive line that stinks. Yeah. And... Yeah, they are definitely underperforming. How could you argue otherwise? Well, no, I'm, I I agree with with what you're saying. The reason that I'm, I'm hesitating is: Do you think they look at this and they say this is a personnel issue that this defense is actually performing like a defense that has bad linebackers and bad you know um, that that I think their I think their personnel is a like twentieth best defense. I don't think it's a like worst third down defense in the history of the league, basically. Fair. Okay. Like, yeah. So, yeah. So keep going. And the offense eighth in the league. That's not, that is underperforming, you know, like given all the talent they have, they've been a very healthy team for the second year in a row. Uh, that's not good enough. And I think from the, uh, if we are changing the focus into like, what can, what can they do over the next month to maximize their, like their performance, I think it is more likely that the defense or that the offense takes a bump from, you know, eighth best to like truly elite than it is that the defense is going to be fixed and be mediocre all of a sudden. I think the defense is a lost cause aside from hoping you get some turnover luck, basically. And maybe the defensive line gets a little bit healthier. Yeah. That's why I think I would rest those guys. Like that's your only shot in the playoffs is if is if for some reason those guys get their legs back. But from a, are you making the the players better? Are you maximizing their performance? I don't think you could argue that they are at this point, especially the second half of the season. So the counter to that is AJ Brown's gonna have the best season of his career this year, right? On offense, they're gonna have presumably a four thousand yard passer, near four thousand yard passer, a uh, thousand yard rusher, two thousand yard receivers, right? They're gonna have so. And Sirianni mainly oversees the offense. He would tell you that. The defense is a little different. Um, is, I don't think Sirianni's making the defense better, and that's where – but I don't know if Sirianni's tasked with making the defense better. And that's why the defensive coordinator is so important here. And the biggest hire that Sirianni made when he got the job was Gannon. This past offseason was Desai. And then the biggest decision that he's made by far as a head coach has been – uh, making that change from the side of Patricia, and that has not worked out. 
So this offseason, what you got to... I mean, you could argue the biggest decision was... was giving up Flake on? Yes. Yeah. Okay. But yeah. Yeah. I mean, both major yeah. midseason changes. So the... the uh, And thank God Jonathan Gannon suggested that. <laughs> hey, man, Gannon. He's I, living high right now. and He can do no wrong. Look, there are... Except there for are, maybe in the eyes of the Bidwells. <laughs> yeah, maybe so. <laughs> they, they probably would prefer to loss there. But... Like, what I, are you doing, Jonathan? I, I think all the people who are ripping on Gannon last week might might be uh, pulling crow out of their mouth a bit. So we definitely don't need to go down that rabbit hole. Though. Yeah, let's let's table uh, yeah, that. Yeah, let's avoid that conversation. Uh, <laughs> so oh, right. I would like a, I would like a gif of pulling crow out of their mouth. It's <laughs> uh, <laughs> funny. So here you go in the off season here, or a few days after after the season, whenever this ends. And by the way. I should also make an important note here to those watching. This is like uh, telling me how a movie's going to end or could end 80% of the way through. The playoffs are a big part of this. The Eagles are going. They have a home play. Oh, I'm sorry. They'll have a road playoff game, presumably against Tampa. If they win that. By the they- way, Daniz uh, told me they cannot be the three seed. We were, we, I think we had mentioned that possibility yesterday. Interesting. They, they can only be the two or the five. Yeah, okay. So the... the Interesting. So they would be better than the Lions no matter what. Yes. Okay. Professor Zellman, that's why you're the man. Much appreciated. Uh, so, and yeah, I, I wish he told me that too. He could have, this is like you, Coach Flynn, and, and Shield Tech. I, I feel he's texting you on yeah, the side too. I, you told me he's giving you, he's giving you questions, suggestions. Oh, Professor Zellman. Yeah. 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 Okay. I, I, he's making me his conduit to the coach. Yeah. <laughs> right. um, so a few days after 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 the season, whenever it ends, and let's say for the oh, by the per- way, you're now on a you're now on a mutual text chain. I know. I love Flynn. it. This yeah. is so cool. I I, uh, I I'm pumped. I'm honored. I now feel like Sheil. It's giving uh, you Tommy Reese shade. <laughs> your boy. <laughs> yeah, I didn't like that play call. <laughs> um, so new Eagles offensive coordinator Tommy Reese. If Sirianni yeah. had his druthers, perhaps. Yeah. So a few days after the season, for the sake of conversation, it it ends uh, in the first game because we're talking about if this collapses, right? That was the premise sure. of it. And they say you need a defensive overhaul. You need a, you need a new coordinator. You need a scheme change. Um, and I do think it's important to say, we've said this before, but from a defensive coaching staff yeah. standpoint, they didn't just lose Jonathan Gannon. They also lost Nick Rallis and Denard Wilson, yeah. right? Like they had to backfill several of those things late in the hiring cycle. I would not be surprised if there is a major coaching yeah. overhaul on that staff, regardless of, yeah. of what happens. So Sirianni says, I want this person. Okay. And then the Eagles say, no, I want you to have Brandon Staley. I don't know. I'm just picking that. John Carroll. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I quit. <laughs> yeah. And so there's a disagreement there. Uh, like, I, I suppose where this could reach Peterson ask is if there's a disagreement in terms of the composition of the staff. If, if, uh, if Sirianni says, look, I've won. Uh, I made the playoffs three years in a row. I was trying to do the math quickly in my head, but you know, I've won nearly 40 games as a head coach. Uh, I should be able to pick my own defensive coordinator. This is pure speculation. Mm-hmm. Completely just guessing. My guess is that his uh, disagreement or, or bristling would come much more on offensive changes. I'm guessing that if, if they say we need a total defensive overhaul, he's not going to argue. Fine, I mean, yeah. how could he argue? They yes, were terrible exactly. on defense this year. Hmm. I think it's much more likely if they're like, you need some fresh eyes on offense, like get a motion doctor in here. And he's like, I am, I am, I'm running my offense. That yeah. is the end of the story. That is where they could come. They could butt heads. Well, that's happened one time during my time covering the team in 2020. And it was disastrous. Yeah, It was disastrous because Jeffrey Lurie and well, I don't want to say it, whoever it was, whether it was Howie or Jeffrey in the front office, uh, there was a fascination with what San Francisco was doing, and the league was fascinated with what San Francisco was doing. And they had Doug Peterson bring in Scangarello, and it turned into this, like, uh, I don't even know what the offense was that year. They Now, they said COVID. They didn't really have a chance to install <laughs> they it. Said COVID. But Nobody used COVID as an excuse more than the Eagles. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> Crazy. Yeah. Anyways, tell me about... Um, no, no, go ahead. Finish your... Yeah, so... 
I agree with you there. This that Sirianni takes pride in his offense. He would he would tell you that he's hired here to fix the offense or to be an offensive coach to have an offensive system. So if they say, oh oh, you need to run the offense the way Mike McDaniel's running his offense, well that's ridiculous, right? That's 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 almost like a shot across the pride, the bow of uh, Sirianni. Uh, all right. I'll tell you about FOCO because FOCO is a leading manufacturer of sports and entertainment merchandise with a product line that includes apparel, accessories, toys, collectibles, novelty items, and more. They've got the best officially licensed gear for all sports and fandoms. It's football and tailgating season. They've got overalls, hoodies, hats, sunglasses, bags, everything you need for a game. FOCO has hooked PHLY up and provided awesome pieces for our sets. FOCO always has our back for Philly sports, and they have yours, too. Get the best gear around by using the link in our description. For all non-presale items, use the promo code PHLY10 for 10% off. Zach, do you think Jeffrey Lurie would, uh, would hire Bill Belichick? No. <laughs> I don't think Bill Belichick's coming here either. So, okay. uh, But I think Bill Belichick's going to be an interesting coach somewhere next year. Um, Washington, maybe. Washington, maybe. Um is there any meat left on this bone? Any, any, uh, anything else to, to ring out here? Well, it's theoretical right now. And let's say they lose by this is the question I was on the, uh, the around the NFL podcast yesterday oh, for this monster flex. This Look is the uh, Greg with two G's. This is, G's. The, this is the Sirianni question. Like this is what they wanted to talk about. Really? And, and the question was posed to me. If they, if they lose by two touchdowns in Tampa, right. And it blows up and there's, there's like, you know, bickering on the sidelines, all that stuff. How many turkeys are you putting on Sirianni's return? Purely theoretical. 65. On his return? Yes. Okay. You? You, my voice cracked. I said 40. You think there's a less if it If it is that bad. If it's that bad. If it is like they're fighting on the sidelines and they get blown yeah. out in that game, then yes. Wow. Not, that's, not, that's, me, yeah. that's not me saying what should happen. That's me what I think would happen. And when Bo talks, I, I, I know to listen. So that's interesting. Man, I'm going to go watch that sign lining at Stanford. <laughs> See if Jalen shows up in a walking boot again. Yeah. Well, so you, you, you brought that up here. Um, and I am curious your, your view on this part of it. We keep framing it like this is Jeffrey and Howie's call. Okay. At what point do you think this becomes Jalen's call? Or do you think that matters? Do you think that's relevant? I, I, I'm glad you brought that up because I do think that is an important thing here. Like, I, I don't think you want to set the precedent that the locker room gets to decide when a coach is done, right? I think, I think it, it is important for, like, long-term health of the organization to have somebody in place who is the person no matter what and can steer the ship. And they need to, they need to know whether that is Nick or not. But... You know, I also we have talked about this over the years. Like Jalen Hurts and Nick Sirianni is such an an odd mix, right? Like this is like Mister Sabinism, Mister Steady, like no pulse. The, the meme that you've written about, where he's the same yes. no matter what happens, is the complete opposite of Nick Sirianni, right? And so, you know, and the, and the roster is built with guys like that. You know, Devonte Smith among them, and they've like tried to pick guys from those organ like Who's from AJ those college like? programs. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> AJ is is uh, like the the classic wide receiver tweet meme. The uh, I think it was Denny Carter, I think who who had that tweet. You know, uh, an enemy walks silently, mm -hmm. carries whatever all that stuff. So like, I think that Nick and Jalen have a good relationship from everything yes. I understand, but they are an odd mix, and. If like, if it came down to it that like Jeffrey brought in Jalen and was like, what do you think here? And Jalen was like, oh, it doesn't matter to me. <laughs> I don't know. I think well, his voice would carry weight. That's all I, that's all I think. Yes. And I think his, I think Jalen's voice definitely carries weight in, in that organization. And what's interesting to me about that is when the Carson thing ended, I remember the question that I asked uh, Howie was if it gets to this point again, where you have a franchise quarterback, you know, how will you do it differently yeah. or, or, or will you do it differently? And I think they all, from their perspective, you want to empower your players and you want, and, and, and certainly, and I say this, uh, I, I don't mean to bring money involved in it. 
uh, or involve it's true. money. It's in like it. an NBA team, right? But yeah, when you when you pay a uh, look, there's a reason why quarterbacks get paid two hundred fifty million dollars, and you know coaches and GMs don't get paid. Hey, don't get me started on those GM salaries. <laughs> yes. is- yeah, because. Uh, it is harder to find a franchise quarterback than it is to find a great head coach. It's harder to find a franchise quarterback than it is to find a great GM. Uh, sorry, Jerry Krause. Sorry, Thomas Dimitrov. Right. Um, so, uh, well, yeah, and also like the you know it's it's harder to find, and also the difference between you know the fifth best quarterback and the twentieth best yeah. quarterback is so much greater and yes. so much more significant than the difference between you know the fifth best GM yeah. and the twentieth best GM when there's so much luck involved in that anyway. Yeah, and that's why I say Jalen Hurts' voice matters here. And I, I, I imagine that uh, for the next three to five years in this organization and perhaps thereafter, next five to eight years, if they're lucky, next 10 to 12 years, uh, Jalen Hurts' voice matters. And the, so whenever this is framed, what, what are Jeffrey and Howie going to do? Because we've operated during the past six years in particular, or, eight, or, or, or seven years in particular, what are Jeffrey and Howie going to do? But you have to say, what are Jeffrey Howie and Jalen going to do? Because I think Jalen's part of that partnership. And you're getting to a point now where it's Jeffrey Howie, Jalen, and Julian. What are Jeffrey Howie, uh, Jalen, and Julian going to do? And even if it's, it's not— too bad Howie doesn't have a J name. That would have been— uh, Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> I think that's true, but I don't think that I don't think they're bringing in Jalen to be part of a decision-making process. Okay. As much. I think they, they will yeah. value his opinion. But I think it's also just as much the thing we talked about before. I'm paying— Jalen Hurts this amount of money. Yeah. Are you making him better? Are you sure. giving me the return of investment yeah. that I need from that? And that's the question that they have yeah. to answer. Yeah, good point. Last thing before uh, we go, and you know, we can we'll probably continue this conversation as as the week goes on because I'm sure other things will will pop up in our minds. But AJ Brown tweeting last night, he's going to talk today. Can't wait. You know, get your popcorn alert, ready. Alert, alert the masses. Here yes. we go. Um, what do you make of the the AJ Brown of it all here? Yeah. So I I am. Um, I might have an opinion that's that's different than uh, some people who might have disagreements with AJ Brown. AJ Brown's a special player, like a beyond special. He's on a Hall of Fame trajectory. He's the best wide receiver that this organization has had at least since Terrell Owens, and an argument could be made ever. Uh, he, How dare you, Mike <laughs> Quick, Quick, Harold Carmichael? Come on, yeah. To is that good? Oh, I'm sorry, To was. <laughs> well. Uh, <laughs> A.J. Brown is that good. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. And if there's some emotional uh, uh, emotional tendencies that come with it, so be it. I don't think where A.J. Brown is, and you talked about this on the show, bringing up Devontae Adams, and it's a good point. I think A.J. Brown, where he's coming from here, is he wants to be the one who makes a difference. He he's not saying it's because he knows he can exactly, and I want people like that. Um, so I keep hearing AJ Brown's a diva. AJ Brown is a darn good player. Look at the Tennessee Titans now. Look at the Tennessee Titans two years ago. Okay, do you think they miss AJ Brown? You the organization moved mountains 
to try to figure out how they can fix this wide receiver position. They spent money. They did draft picks. They made trades. They finally have A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith. They should be counting their lucky stars every night that they have a 25 and a 23, 24-year-old wide receiver uh, who, who they can build around here. I would, uh, whatever baggage comes with A.J. Brown, I would gladly accept it because he is that good. And I would do more to maximize it. I I, I put a tweet out, your bingo card there. 26 and 25. Uh, the other day where I, I, I said, I wouldn't try to worry about why A.J. Brown is I, I, I wouldn't worry about a player's reaction more than I would worry about the plan that caused that reaction. Like, why why is this happening? Not why does it, not how can we make AJ Brown feel better? Why is he feeling this way in the first place? Why are we, we having uh, a system that's giving the ball to Kenny Gainwell as, as much as AJ Brown during a game that they, that you lose? So to me, God bless you. So to me, I would look at this and say, uh, Let's figure this out. And I, my view on the AJ Brown situation is he's that good a player. I think that's all correct. Um, I think we talked about this before the show. We we had the conversation I think in the summer about like who's more likely to be here long term, AJ Brown or Devontae yeah. Smith. It's my opinion that the answer is Devontae Smith um, because we've seen AJ Brown like be discontented before, and there's a chance that it could happen again. Um, I kind of think that as like AJ Brown is a is a better player right now than Devontae Smith is. If I could have one guy for one game, it would be AJ Brown. But long term, I I would rather have Devontae Smith. And I think that he is probably the most underutilized player on the team right now. That's a good point. I think they could use a lot more Devontae Smith. Um that said, like as you like, they've been trying to solve that position for a long time. They they need yeah. to keep both of those yes. guys. And it's part of the reason that they didn't bring in another wide receiver in the offseason, which I think was a mistake, but they were very concerned about those personality dynamics. Um, it's the same as the Jalen Hurts thing. Like, are you maximizing what yes. what we are paying for in AJ Brown uh, right now? As as he is having a career season, still the answer is probably not. No, that's the and that's the thing. And a lot of that production came during a stretch when the offense was at its best this year. And I think part of the reason they were at its best is because AJ Brown was playing that way. AJ Brown's a force multiplier. Make it work with him. Make him happy. What do you think he's going to say today? Mm, good question. I think he's going to say that he just wants to win, that he he's doing whatever it takes to win, that... Um, you want to do a little role play real quick? Uh, sh- am I AJ or am I the You're reporter? AJ. Well, I'll be the reporter. You'll be AJ. Or do you want me to be AJ? No, no. No, you be AJ. You get to be a reporter every day. I want to pretend okay. to be a reporter. Okay. All right. I mean, I'm not jacked enough to be AJ, but... Mm-hmm. Okay. Close that's, enough. That's the only difference between you. <laughs> okay. Uh, AJ, what is? why have you been so upset lately? Ooh, good, good AJ. <laughs> yeah. Good AJ. Yeah. For the, for the audio breath, listeners, yeah. I looked up and I smiled. Mm. Guys, what you have to understand about me is I just want to win. Uh, I just, I just want to win so bad. And it's all love for my teammates. It's all love for my coaches. But... I, I just really want to win, and I feel that I can help the team win, and when we're losing, I get frustrated. Do you feel like the offense is maximizing? Do you think, do you think the offense is creative enough? Uh, you know, I, I run the plays that are called, and I believe in our coaches. I've known, you know, uh, Coach, uh, uh, Coach Nick's been very good for me, and I've known Brian Johnson since I was 14 years old, and he was in my living room uh, when he was at Mississippi State. So I'm, I'm just going to speak in, in my voice here because I, I, I can't do – I can't do like you do. Yeah, yeah I, I was trying to um, – so uh, I'm uh, – yeah, I've, I, I've known Brian Johnson since he was uh, – you know, since I was 14 years old. I have a great relationship with Nick. I spoke to him yesterday. Uh, I just want to win, but – I'm not the play caller. I just run the plays that are called. What were the What was that conversation with Nick like? Oh, me and Nick are cool. Uh, we're good. We, you know, we're both on the same page. We just want to win. What kind of deodorant do you wear? I wear secret women's deodorant. Is That's that right. the, yeah. Okay, yeah? Good job. You really, you really got in there. <laughs> yes. All right. Well, we'll find out tomorrow uh, what AJ Brown said today, and we've got uh, two more shows this week. Tomorrow at 11 a.m. Friday at 3:30 p.m. 
with uh, the professor. Dana is joining us once again. Good discussion today. You feel uh, you feel you feel good about that? I feel good whenever we have these these talks. Yeah. Not yeah. last time. Well, not last time. I, I that's true. That's true. I, I I didn't dislike having the conversation with you. I just thought it was a ridiculous conversation to have. Well, but it is better. It's it's always better to be early than it is to be late. It's like you know you 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 want to get on the stock when it's low, not when everyone else is buying it, right? So, stock maven himself, Zach Berman, buy that Apple stock and uh, buy the AJ Brown stock. What's the, uh, what's the what's your Eagle stock right now? Eagle stock tip. Uh, hold. Don't be over leveraged in it. <laughs> but hold. Okay. Yeah. Last question before we close. Yes. Last last question. Let's pretend that Matt Patricia is the official defensive coordinator. Let's yeah. pretend that that's his title. Sure. How many of the head coach slash coordinators of those three are back next year? Well, they're going to have a new defensive coordinator, I believe. You don't think it'll be Patricia? No, I don't believe it'll be Patricia. You think just that? And I think just that. I, I think Brian's going to be back unless he leaves on his own volition. I don't think they're going to fire Brian Johnson. I think they're going to look at their offensive numbers and say, you guys are crazy, right? They, they're, they're still one of the top offenses in the, in, in the league. Uh, now, to your point, are they maximizing their, their, their talent? I, I get that, but I, it's, it's going to be, they're going to say, A.J. Brown had the best season of his career. We, we have two 1,000-yard wide receivers, a 1,000-yard running back and a 4,000-yard quarterback. We love Quez Watkins. <laughs> Well, no. Watch what they watch what they do, not what they say. But I, I think they're, they'll probably add a third receiver there, uh, and there's going to be an interesting tight end conversation probably coming up soon as well. Okay. All right, that'll do it for this episode of the PHLY Eagles podcast, jam packed. Much to come tomorrow and Friday. Thanks to everybody for listening. Thank you for watching. For Julia and Zach, Happy New Year's once again, and as always, we love you. Y'all silly like the mayor.